thank you for tuning in to the Fires of Revival podcast. It is my prayer that you are helped by the weekly ministry conversations and expositional teachings through Key Bible Passages. Please be sure to rate and review the podcast. And now for the episode. Super excited for today's episode. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Romans chapter 10. Now, I get a lot of you who listen um, faithfully. You listen to this while you're driving or you're at the gym and that kind of thing. I don't expect you to have your Bible out. It'd be kind of awkward if you're driving and you have your Bible open. I'd be afraid for the safety of your life and those around you that you're putting in danger. Or if you're lifting weights and you've got a weight in one hand, Bible in the other. You might, you know, get yourself hurt or the case. You get what I'm saying. But some of you do listen to where you have the freedom to get a Bible out and you're able to. And I would challenge you to do that and follow along in the scripture. And let the Lord speak to your heart as you look at the words of God as I look at them and read them to you guys as well. But... Today's title opens up with a question. Again, we are still in our series. This is part three of it, uh, really part four if you consider that sermon from Dr. Oswald J. Smith a part of this. But the title of this episode comes from the title of the chapter that we're in, chapter four or five it is, I believe it is. And we are jumping around, skipping a few chapters here and there because some are just things of his personal experience. I don't really feel like teaching through that, whereas others are more teaching chapters. But the question that he opens up with as the title for this section that we're studying today is, are we winning the battle against heathenism? Now, to be honest with you, when we think the term heathenism, we think of the people out in Africa sacrificing kids, you know, to some witch doctor or some type of a shama or something like that. You picture someone be out in the Middle East, or in the Middle East, someone out maybe in some, you know, Pacific Island out with their tribal gear on, you know, worshiping this little tiki torch, tiki hut. Or, you know, you see the little things like that. Oftentimes we think of heathenism, we think of that. But in reality, heathenism is anything that is contrary to Christianity, if you were to compare it as such. Well, let's look here in Romans chapter 10. And we're going to read a few verses here, uh, look at some truths in Scripture, see how these apply to us in this idea of answering this question, are we winning the battle against heathenism? And in Romans chapter 10, let's look here at verse 13. We're going to read verses 13 through 15. The verses read this, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him, or call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So this passage is describing giving out the gospel. It, it opens with the simple phrase in verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That opens with the base fact of the knowledge saying, if anyone calls on the name of God, calls on the Lord Jesus Christ to save them, they will be saved. And then 14 and 15 are carrying out, they share with us how you carry out that. How does someone get to the point where they're hearing the gospel and they're getting saved? And 14 and 15 really describe the backwards progression there of how this takes place. But a statement I want to open up with you guys, really simple one, but very profound when you begin to think about it. And it's this, for the lost to be saved, the saved must go to the lost. I'll read it one more time. For the lost to be saved, the saved must go to the lost. You know, when we think of salvation, we think oftentimes we think people are going to come, you know, knocking to us, coming to us, knocking at our door, saying, hey, how do I get saved? I, I just have this feeling you're a Christian. Uh, what must I do to be saved? I'll be honest, that doesn't happen quite often. People make it sound like it is, but very rarely does that happen. Most Christians have never experienced that, and neither have. It's maybe once or twice in their life, and that's it. Most of the time, when you're leading someone to Christ, it involves you going out, personally asking them, talking to them, getting to know them, 
and then bringing up the conversation to spiritual things and asking them about their spiritual destination. And for people to be saved, the Lord saves them, obviously, but he uses those who are saved to go out to the lost. And I believe that's why you have a lot of churches that are shrinking today, a lot of churches that aren't as big as they could be, as how the Lord would like them to be. And I believe a lot of the reason for that is because people aren't giving the gospel. Because I heard a statement the other day that someone said that the church that does not evangelize will fossilize. Meaning, if you're not giving out the gospel actively as a church, that church will begin to shrink. If you're not adding new converts, growing as a church just like a family grows with the more kids they have, if you're not growing, then you're going to die. And that church is going to cease to exist if they're not giving out the good news. But we have a couple points this morning, just two really simple. Uh, the first point in this chapter is titled, The Most Important Work. Well, let's see, what is the most important work? We find this in Mark 16. You can also find it in Romans 13, or Romans 10, 13-15, the verses that we just read. But in Mark 16, let's go there. This is a passage that, again, is very familiar to you. Most of you could quote it. You probably know exactly where I'm going. But Mark chapter 16, and this is Christ speaking here in verse 15, kind of giving some parting words to his disciples. And in verse 15 he says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It is our mission, according to Christ, to carry out the gospel. God has called each of us who are saved, each of us listening today who are saved. The Bible says it is our mission to give out the good news. It's not the lost person's mission to give out the good news. That wouldn't make any sense. It makes sense for those who are saved to give out the gospel, to give out the message that changes lives. Because the scripture is what changes the lives. God uses it. The Bible says in Jeremiah that God's word will never return void. That when we use it, it's always going to make an impact. Always going to make a difference. You know, for instance, in this idea of evangelism, a lot of us like to study the Bible. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But a lot of us, we like studying things. Whether you, or Rather, let me word it this way. A lot of us do study things. Now, whether you enjoy studying things or not is one thing. You know, maybe if a certain topic interests you, you like to read about it. But, you know, certain subjects for you or not. I don't think for me, for school... Uh, when it comes to science, I do not like science. I could not tell you much about it. It's not a strong suit for mine by any means. Very, very weak there that if you had me study science for a living, I would hate doing that very thing. But in Bible knowledge, for instance, some of us listening like to study the scriptures. I love to read different things and study commentaries and find out the meanings behind passages that are hard to understand and things like that. But ultimately, it doesn't, I don't, God does not care how much Bible knowledge we know if we're not giving the gospel. You know, what good does it do if I know all the answers to everything, could tell you everything about everything in the Bible, yet I don't live it out? I could tell you what the Great Commission is, how to carry it out, how souls are saved, but if I'm not giving out the gospel, if I'm not sharing gospel tracts of people, giving my testimony, uh, asking people about Jesus Christ and what they think of Him and things like that, then it doesn't matter how much knowledge I have. It doesn't matter how much knowledge you have if you're not using it to share the good news of Jesus Christ to others. Again, who cares how much Bible knowledge you have if you aren't leading people to Christ? God calls us to get a vision for the world and then to begin praying for it. That's one of the key themes of this series, if you haven't gathered that yet, is prayer. God calls us to pray for the lost. Jesus Christ, when he was on his earthly ministry here for 33 years, when he was on the earth, he gave one prayer request recorded for us in Scripture. It's found in Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 through 39, where he tells us, to pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. The one request that Christ gave to me, gave to you, gave to his disciples is to pray for laborers. And in praying for laborers, God often sends us out to be those laborers answering the prayer that we're praying. And God calls us to get a vision for the world, to realize that the world really is dying and on their way to hell if no one gives them the good news. And that we need to begin praying, going, 
and then giving to see the cause carried out. You know, the thing is this, life is short. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. I'm not guaranteed the rest of the day. I'm not guaranteed a year. I'm not guaranteed, you know, 70 years. Same for you, same for every other person listening, same for everyone across the world. Life is short. Well, if it's short, why not use it for God? If we're not guaranteed tomorrow, then why don't we just give God today? And the same for the next day, and the next day, and the next day. If tomorrow is not guaranteed, give Him today. If we don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we're going to have a tomorrow and a week from now, then live for the Lord today. I don't know I keep saying the same phrase over and over again, but I'm trying to get it in your head, is that life is short. The Bible says in the book of James that life is but a vapor. It appeareth for a moment, and then it's gone. You see it, you know, on a cold day, uh, you know, you, you breathe out your mouth, and you see the vapor coming out, and you see it there in front of you, and you can take, you know, a big deep breath in, and then you exhale out as much as you can, and you see this giant fog little thing pull up in front of you. But after a few seconds, it's gone. It's up in the atmosphere. You can't see it anymore. And the Bible says that's what life is like. That little vapor that you see is there. You see it for a few seconds, and suddenly, if you're not careful, it'll disappear before your very eyes, and you missed it. So life is short. Use it for God. This most important work that God has called me and you to is to give out the gospel, is to share the good news. Think of it like this. We're just an errand boy. We're just the delivery people. We're just the ones carrying the mail. God's already wrote the letter, his scripture. God has already given us the message, and he's called me and you to deliver it, to just take the simple message and say, here you go. Here's the good news. Here's what God says in John 3.16. Here's what he says in Romans 5.8. Here is what the Bible says about eternal life and how God wants each of us to know that eternal life is something everyone can have if we accept Christ as Savior. But again, God calls us to get a vision for the world and then begin praying for it. Our second point this morning or evening or afternoon, whenever it is you're listen, listening to this, is languages and tribes still in reach. So number one is the most important work. Building off of that, there are languages and tribes still in reach. Last week, or yeah, last week I talked about a ministry that's dear, dear to my heart titled the Bible and Literature Missionary Foundation. They are a missionary center to my home church where I'm from in Tennessee, and they print scriptures, give it to missionaries free of charge so they can give it to their people, and that everyone in those different tribes and tongues and nations can hear and have their own copy of the Word of God to read for themselves. Now, Dr. Oswald J. Smith shares a statistic. Now, these statistics that he shares, I'm going to read with you, are a little outdated, if I'm being honest. He, he said these. These were current in the late 1950s. But they're not really current today, but they're still eye-opening. I want to share this with you, and I, I kind of tweak it up a little bit. And he says this. During his time in the 1950s, there were almost 3,000 languages in the world. So the entire world, all the hundreds and hundreds of countries, you have around 3,000 3, or so languages. He said, out of those languages, almost 1,700 do not have a Bible or any part of the Bible printed or translated into their tongue. So what he's saying is, language-wise, well over half the world doesn't even have a copy. You know, think of most of you who listen to this are in America, and many of us have tons of copies. We have Bibles that we had as a kid, Bibles that we had in high school, Bibles that we have now. And we have all kinds of copies of the Word of God. We have it on our phone. You can look it up on the Internet. You can download it on app. Yet there are thousands and millions and millions of people who if you said, do you have a Bible, they'd ask you, what in the world's a Bible? I don't, know what they, I don't even know what that is. Who is Jesus? I've never heard of this name. And the thing is, according to Romans 10, how shall they hear without a preacher? If someone isn't going and sharing with them the Word of God, how do we expect them to know? Again, for the lost to be saved, the saved must go to the lost. Now, this statistic, I know 
many languages and now have the Bible translated into their tongue. I'm not sure what the current one is, but sh but still though, it's got to be a great number. Even if it's just a few, that's still worse than there being none. And God wants every tongue to hear the gospel. He wants every tongue and every tribe to trust Christ as Savior. And as we learned last week, for Christ to come, the Bible says that every tribe and every tongue must hear of the gospel. It doesn't mean every tribe and tongue will be saved, but every tribe and tongue must at least hear for the end to come. So the point is this, the field is great. We know that. The verse I quoted earlier in Matthew 9, you know where it says uh, that, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. The verses before that in verse 35 and 36, he, uh, Christ describes to his disciples that the harvest is plenteous, but he follows it by saying the laborers are few. And in this life today, in this world, there are many millions, if not billions, who need the gospel. Billions of lives who are just thirsting, looking for something to change their life. They're living life right now and it's meaningless. They're living life and it's empty. And they're just waiting. They're just hoping something will come along that will help give them meaning in life. And we hold the answer. We hold the key to the door that is locked in front of them. And if we could just share with them, give them the gospel, go into all the world and preach the gospel, uh, follow what Romans 10, 13 says, and let them know that all they have to do is call upon Christ to be saved for salvation. And if we could just share with them the good news, then lives would be changed. Let's close in Acts chapter 1. We read this verse last week, but we're going to read it again this week. Acts chapter 1. You know, God calls us to be a pioneer. He calls us to labor a work that needs to be done that no one's done. He calls us to go into the corners, going into the places where people have never heard. Not going where everyone knows, but going where no one knows. And in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Christ again, he's speaking to his disciples before he goes off into heaven. And in verse 8 he says, But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria. And here it is right here. Notice this phrase. And unto the uttermost part of the earth. So from what's next door to us to millions of miles away, God says they need to hear. God wants us to share the good news with others. I want to close with a question. This question comes from Scripture. It comes as a direct quote from Romans 10, 13 to 15. I'm not reading the whole passage, but there's a phrase that is mentioned in verses 14 and 15. And it's this. How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they hear without a preacher? Now again, God does not call all of us to be preachers in the sense of going into what people consider full-time ministry or something like that. When God in this case is talking about a preacher, he's saying someone who's going to proclaim the message, again, like an errand boy or a mailman, just coming and saying, here's your package. Here's the message from the king. Here is what God wants you to know personally. What God shared with me, I want to share with you from the Lord. And it's the plan of salvation. So the question, how shall they hear without a preacher? And the other question, that the title of the lesson, are we winning the battle against heathenism? I'll be honest, it feels like we're not. It feels as if the world is winning more and more. And ultimately we know that in the end, Christ wins. In the end, God wins. And Satan loses. But... What are we doing here on this earth? Are we letting the lost and dying world score up on us and letting heathenism win? Or are we out busy for the Lord giving out the good news? Because in Romans 13, it says that the night is far spent. The day is at hand. He's saying, look, the end is near. The last days are here and before us in front of us. We've got to do something about it. And God calls us to share the gospel. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for this day. I pray that you'll bless this episode. Uh, use it to make a difference in the lives of people. Father, help us all to be more conscious of your saving faith. Help us to trust in you for that, Father, if we have not. Pray for anyone listening is lost, they'll get saved. Anyone listening who knows they need to improve in this area of evangelism, I pray that you'll just work in their heart about this issue. 
in your son's name. Amen.